Well, it is that time of the year, isn't it? Um, I don't mean Christmas time. I mean the time of the year when Time Magazine picks its man of the year. You know, Time Magazine didn't exist in the first century. Thankfully, I believe. As a matter of fact, no magazines existed in the first century. But people had opinions. And if you were to ask the man on the street in the first century, in the Middle East, where these things happened, if you were to ask that person, who's the most important person in the world, straight up, they would have said, Caesar. Had you asked them, what's the most important city in the world, immediately, they would have said Rome. There would have been rather universal consensus concerning those two things. It's interesting, isn't it? We often associate great things with great people and great places, or famous people and famous places. And on Christmas, God turned the tables. God did what a lot of people did not expect. He announced the most gigantic, wonderful news that the world had ever heard, not in the presence of kings or Caesar or in Rome or even in a town. He announced it to shepherds in a field. You know that event? It was gigantic. The one we read about in Luke chapter 2, it was gigantic, but at the same time, it was uneventful. It was gigantic because the host of heaven, says the passage, appeared to these, angel, to these shepherds after one angel appeared to them. A host of angels appeared to them and announced the coming of the greatest event in the history of the world, the coming of Jesus Christ. That's gigantic, but it's also uneventful. Because you know, based on what we can determine, that gigantic event didn't spread like wildfire. It didn't change the world the next day, or the next 10 years, or the next 20, or the next 30. That event, and for all intents and purposes, my friend, the event called 33 years of Christ's life were historically uneventful. But at the same time, gigantic. God frequently does that. And on this day, he did it again. A gigantic but uneventful coming. There was something else I noticed about this particular event, the announcement of Jesus' birth. It was well-planned, but also unexpected. Oh, well-planned for sure, even better planned than any of us could have planned. Planned according to the Scripture before all time. Planned to demonstrate the grace of God to those that God loved. Planned in advance with all kinds of prophetic details laid out beforehand. Yes, planned in advance, 
but utterly unexpected. According to the Bible, anyone who knew the Bible, then the Hebrew Scripture should have seen it coming, but no one did. The announcement came, as you know, to people no one would have expected to receive this news. The announcement came not with a pre-announce, but, but just an announcement, and it came to shepherds. That was really rather unusual. Grand announcements and big miracles, according to the Hebrew Scriptures, primarily came on grand stages. Oh, there were a few that were sort of behind-the-scene miracles. But when you think of the big miracles, the big events in the history of Israel, they were on a grand stage and announced as such. When Moses got the revelation from God at the burning bush, that was backstage. But from then on, it wasn't backstage any longer. It was up front. Announced to Pharaoh, this is what God's going to do. Throwing down the ten plagues, the water parting with a million people looking on. Manna from heaven, water from a rock. All huge witnesses to gigantic events. And on this day, it was absolutely unexpected. And it came to shepherds. One might have expected it to come to a famous prophet or to priests or to a king, but not just to ordinary people who had ordinary days. Shepherds were among the most ordinary people, and they had the most ordinary of days. There were some unpredictable events. If you had to defend your sheep from raiders or if you had to defend your sheep from wild animals, but Apart from that, everything was ordinary, except on this day, in the midst of the ordinary, the unexpected exploded onto the scene of human history. So this day was gigantic but uneventful. This day was well-planned but really unexpected. And there's something else about this event. It was significant, but at the same time, insignificant. It was small but at the same time, absolutely revolutionary. It didn't appear to be anything significant on that day when the shepherds heard it. As a matter of fact, I wonder, don't you? What happened to the shepherds after they heard it? We don't know. No one tells us. The Scripture doesn't give us a history of those shepherds after that day. Remember, a life expectancy in that time was rather short, maybe 40 to 50 years. If those shepherds were adult shepherds, not just teenagers, it's quite likely that they would never have seen all the events of Jesus' life. Just because of age expectations, but perhaps even if they had lived a long time, did they see the miracles? Did they understand who it was that was announced? Is it true that all they knew concerning Messiah was what they heard on that night? We really don't know. But it was revolutionary. Maybe not so revolutionary for them but it was revolutionary for the world. Jesus, in effect, said as much when he said, the kingdom of God comes like a seed. 
very inauspicious, planted into the ground, as a matter of fact, to use the mustard seed as an analogy. He said it's a tiny little seed and planted into the ground and then it begins to grow and that tiny little seed, which is utterly insignificant, becomes a large tree. This event was insignificant, but it became revolutionary. It would change the world forever and not just Rome. This event was not only insignificant and also revolutionary, it was both terrifying and full of joy. Sometimes we don't put those two in the same sentence. Terrifying means terrifying. To be absolutely afraid. Joy means to be overwhelmed with an emotion that is just delight. But in this passage, terror and joy met together. As a matter of fact, the shepherds uh, heard the announcement and the word of the angel was, don't be terrified. Don't be terrified because this, what I'm about to tell you, is great news, great joy for all people. Now, I hate to be um, cynical or to suggest that angels say the wrong thing, but really? Angels show up and then they say, don't be terrified? Isn't that a contradiction in terms? I'm standing in front of you, a being you've never seen, light inexplicable, that's glorious, that could strike you dead. Don't be terrified. A walking contradiction, it seems. But we know why they would be terrified. Because such epiphanies to them could put them in a position of death. And so they were terrified. And in the midst of their terror, the angel inserts the phrase, good news, great joy for all people. In the midst of your trembling terror, here is the greatest news the world has ever known. And it's going to bring great joy. It's not the only time um, that terror and joy were mixed together. As a matter of fact, when the angel showed up to Mary and told her, that she was going to be with child, and that child would be Jesus, she was absolutely terrified. And the angel essentially said the same thing. Don't be terrified, Mary. I've got great news. Terror and joy seem to go together on occasions like this. As a matter of fact, the joy that comes from these things is the joy of believing the impossible. Madeline Lingle wrote a little book called The Glorious Impossible. And one of the quotes that stood out to me in that book was this. Possible things are easy to believe. Possible things? They're easy to believe. But the glorious impossibles, the ones hard to believe... Those are what bring joy to our hearts, hope to our lives, and songs to our lips. You know what happened with Mary when she was terrified? When the angel said, don't be terrified, I've got great news, it turned into overwhelming joy, and she wrote a song. The same description is given of the shepherds. They were terrified, but this inexpressible joy was theirs, and they left that manger scene overwhelmed with joy. 
singing in effect to the world. That's the story, and it's a story that we traditionally read at Advent. The selection for the candle reading uh, this morning was not my idea. It's a tradition of the church. It's a tradition of the church that's been around for more than a thousand years. And Advent, you remember, don't you? It's about waiting and watching. It's about being aware and having your eyes open to the presence of God. So when you think about that story and what we just thought about together, I want to suggest an assignment for you. Two days from now is Christmas. The holidays are upon us. Everything around us speaks of Christ. Here's the assignment. It, It comes in four parts. It's a suggestion and perhaps a question. When God shows up, and he may, this week, for you. After all, the incarnation didn't just happen and go away. To put it in other words, it's Christ with us in the present tense. So let me suggest that God might show up. And here's what I want you to remember. When he does, just like the first time, it might be gigantic and uneventful all in one. Those two ideas are not a contradiction. God works like that. Keep your eyes open for the gigantic, uneventful presence of Jesus Christ. When God shows up, it might be well-planned and absolutely unexpected. You know what the life of discipleship tells us? The life of discipleship tells us that every day of our lives, hour by hour, we pray, we worship through the routine, and in the midst of the routine, we expect that God's going to show up. And so often, when he does, well-prepared disciples find it an unexpected revelation from God. It's often true that the most likely epiphany in your life will be the unexpected one. When God shows up, routinely it's gigantic and uneventful. It might be well-planned and unexpected. But when God shows up, it might seem insignificant. It might be something you're inclined to overlook. 
But with the eyes of faith, what seems insignificant can be absolutely revolutionary. On one occasion, the scripture tells about a prophet who was trying to hear from God. And there were lots of manifestations, wind and fire, and all sorts of big things. But the text tells us God was not in those big things. He was in a small whisper. During this season, God might show up in an unexpectedly insignificant way. But if we have eyes and ears of faith, that epiphany could be revolutionary. The final thing is when God shows up, it often leaves you trembling and speechless. But frequently, it brings out a song. You might say, I'm not a singer. Yes, you are. It's in your heart. You might say, I can't carry a tune. Sorry, Brian, apart from the professional assessment, everybody can. Why? Because God wants you to make a joyful noise to him. When God shows up in your life, express it. You don't have to sing out loud for people to hear. But you can sing quietly or you can sing in your heart. It's the center of life. When you express your joy to the Savior of your soul, it's the center of life. Find time to do it. Do it quietly, do it largely, but do it. Express your joy to the God who loved you so much that he sent his son. Just a minor suggestion for you. Sing really well when we're about to sing this song that you know so well. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. But another suggestion for you. If you have a quiet time, and I hope you do, a time where you study the scriptures and pray, I'd like to suggest that you take some music to that special place. You don't even have to have a hymn book anymore, right? Get online. Type in the title of the words to one of your favorite songs. Have them printed off and then sing them. Sing them not to a human audience, but to God. And it can change everything about your day. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for coming in the person of Jesus Christ. And in the words of uh, that ancient carol hymn, it was joy to the world. On that occasion where you showed up to rather insignificant people, the world changed forever. It wasn't just the Roman world that changed forever, though. It was the entire world. And the good news uh, transcended nations and people groups and languages.
And it's infiltrated every part of our world. So that today, Lord, millions and millions of people all over the world are celebrating an event that only a small group of people saw on one night. Lord, we thank you for making us a part of that huge story. We pray, Lord, that in the next week or so, especially, you will open our eyes of faith. You will give our hearts the ability to receive your grace. You'll give us the joy that comes from a full understanding of grace. And perhaps today or during the season, Lord, someone who doesn't really know you as their Lord will confess you as their Lord. They will turn to you in this season of all seasons and say to you, Lord Jesus, take me, I want to be yours. And then joy inexpressible and full of glory will be theirs. For those of us who know you, Lord, renew our joy. May this season be a new celebration of the coming of Christ into our world and into our hearts by faith. These things we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.